come, Father, in your goodness and your kindness and speak deeply to our hearts. Encourage us tonight, O Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. AOL News reports that on January 17th, 2004, a 66-ton, you heard that right, 66-ton whale died and uh, was beached uh, on the coasts of southwest coast of Taiwan. 14 days, actually 12 days later, they decided they couldn't leave a 66 pound ton whale on the beach forever. So a flatbed truck arrived, three cranes arrived, and 50 laborers to put the whale on the back, the 66-ton whale on the back of a flatbed truck so it could go for its very own personal autopsy. Flatbed truck, three hours later, begins to make its way through the town uh, where the medical examination was going to take place. It's driving slowly, goes over some bumps. Pedestrians are walking along the streets. The shop owners are coming out. The news is spreading around the town that there's a 66 dead whale making its way through town on a flatbed truck. And the flatbed truck hits a particularly big hole in the road. Oh no, yeah. And the whale exploded. Yes, you heard that right, the whale exploded. Life is like that sometimes. Life is like, you think you're just waking up and you're gonna have a perfectly normal day. And then a whale explodes. And you end up with the innards of this whale covering you, the stench of the decaying intestinal cavity and other things are permeating the air. It's in your hair, the smell, the guts. It's all over your clothes. It's on the store windows. It's on the streets. Nobody woke up that morning thinking, about noon, a whale's gonna explode. <laughs> Nobody thought that at all. But it happened. It happened.
and what a mess it made. What a mess it made. Well, what do you do when your life explodes or something in your life explodes? What do you do? Two weekends ago, we were in uh, book two of the Psalms. So the Psalms are divided into five books. This message comes from the third book. Two weeks ago, we were in the second book, uh, Psalm chapter 47. And in Psalm chapter 47, we were reminded that our God reigns. If you believe in him and you've committed yourself to him, your God reigns. Your God reigns. He has absolutely every circumstance under control. Every one of them. Our God reigns. Our God reigns. And uh, I took some time based on Psalm 47 to explain how we should respond to the reality that our God reigns. It says we should clap our hands. Friends, we ought to clap our hands a lot around here. And I'm saying that not because I like the sound of clapping hands. We should be clapping our hands because God's word says, clap your hands. We should be shouting to God with loud songs of joy. What happened to the Lord's people that we somehow got the idea that we're supposed to be really, really quiet when we worship because it's respectful? Where'd we get that from? The book says you should be getting so excited about him that you shout to him. Now, I, I, I don't want to offend any of you now. I don't want to make any of you feel comfortable, but I do want to ask you a question that is going to offend you and make you feel uncomfortable. And the question is this. When is the last time you really gave God a good shout? You really thanked him for everything he's done in your heart and in your life. Shout to God with loud songs of joy. Shout to God with whispers of joy. No, that's not what it says. And then it says sing praises. So I left you with that two weeks ago. And then I'm saying goodbye to people in the parking lot and a brother I love and respect says you kind of missed an important point. Great thing about pastoring is you've always got a time, an opportunity to come back and redeem yourself. So I'm going to redeem my miss from two weeks ago. Psalm 47 says there's another thing you should do. And that fourth thing is Selah. 
stop and meditate. So there's this great movement in our worship where we're clapping our hands and we're shouting to God with loud sounds of joy and we're singing praises. And then there should be times when we just quiet right down and really stop and think about who God is and what God's doing in our lives. We need to stop and we need to think about the reality that our God reigns. Even friends, even friends, if a whale exploded in your life this week, you need to stop and think and recognize that God still reigns. God is still in control. Second Chronicles uh, chapter 5 and verse number 12. Second Chronicles 5 and verse number 12. Is that on there, Jackson, or do I need to go find it here? Second Chronicles 5 and verse number 12 talks about uh, who wrote this book that we're going to go into now, Psalm 73. Psalm 73, at the top of Psalm 73, it says book three. So if you're wondering why we're talking about all these books, Psalm 73, book three, a Psalm of Asaph. And 2 Chronicles 5 and verse 12, English Standard Version says, all the Levitical singers, uh, so it's interesting, there's this tie into the Levitical singers here, because how did the Jewish hymn book work? Book one, book two, book three, book four, book five. When you're in book one in your scripture reading, you're reading from the book of Genesis. The Bible reading for that day in the synagogue was Genesis. If you're in book two, the Bible reading was Exodus. Book three, the Bible reading would have been Leviticus. And all the Levitical singers, Asaph, Asaph is a Levitical singer. He was actually a part of Solomon's dedication of Solomon's temple. Asaph wrote 12 of the Psalms in book number number three. So we're in this book of three. Asaph is writing this Psalm. And this is what he says in verse number one, Psalm 73. So we're going to spend the rest of the evening in Psalm 73. Get your paper copy out or your electronic copy. We're going to be there. Psalm 73, verse 1. Truly, God is good. (laughs) That's how it starts. Truly, God is good. When you're walking down the street, minding your own business, and you end up with whale guts all over you, God is still good. (laughs) Truly, God is good. Never lose sight of that. Even when you get hit by things you didn't see coming, truly God is good. 
So ASAP writes that. And then it's amazing how many buts there are in Scripture. In verse number two, he says, but. So truly God is good, but. But. As for me, my feet had almost stumbled, and my steps had nearly slipped. Asaph is saying, God's good. That's true. But I feel like throwing in the towel. I feel like quitting. I feel like giving up. God's good, but I've had enough. And Asaph's problem wasn't exploding whales, and in all likelihood, your problem won't be an explosion of a 66-pound whale, especially in Saskatoon. But sometimes life seems to be blowing up on us. And the thing that was driving Asaph crazy and we read about it in verse number three, four key words here. The thing that was driving him crazy was he looked around and sinners, ungodly people, people who never came to church, people who never thought about God, they seemed to be doing so well. And then he looked over the, the synagogue and they worshiped together on Saturday and and some of the people in the synagogue didn't seem to be doing so well. Matter of fact, the sinners seemed to have nicer clothes. The sinners seemed to be driving newer cars. And it was bothering Asaph. Four words come out here, and this is causing him to stumble. It's causing him to trip up. It's becoming an explosion in his soul. And the four key words in this, the first one is arrogant. He says, somehow these people who are just making sure they're noticed, they want the cameras clicking for them. They want people to be drawn, drawn. they want to be, have attention drawn to them all the time. They want to be the ones who are being interviewed. The arrogant people are driving him crazy because they seem to be doing well. The second word that comes up in this, in this verse, these wicked, wicked people actually choosing to do things that are offensive to God, actually choosing to do things that are contrary to God's will and plan and purposes for us. Wicked people. Third word that's sticking out here in Asaph's heart is prosperity. These wicked, arrogant people who are too big for their own britches are prospering. And in Asaph's heart, and Asaph is a worship leader. Can you imagine? This is happening to a worship leader. The worship leader is letting something grow in his heart. It's becoming a private obsession with this young worship leader that the lifestyles of the wicked, arrogant people seem to be much more bountiful than his lifestyle. That's more light, much more bountiful than the people he worship with. They drive sharp, wonderful, brand new cars. And the Christians are coming to church in 50-year-old K cars held together with duct tape. 
You've got nice clothes. Huge houses. And he's going to have lots of friends. And he's thinking in his heart, that's what I'm supposed to have. God, what's going on here? What's wrong with this law of sowing and reaping? I'm the guy who's supposed to have all this wonderful stuff. And it's the people out there who hate you and are wicked and arrogant that are prospering. I'm the believer, God. I'm the believer. This is not right, God. And then a fourth thing happens in this worship leader's heart. He becomes envious. And he's really become trapped in his own life by this desire to have stuff. In his own heart, he's become trapped by this desire to, to have what he sees the people in the world having. Pastor Lloyd Stilley made this comment as I was studying last week on this portion. Uh, he said, Asaph stopped being concerned about the sin of the successful and started focusing instead on the success of the sinful. Instead of being concerned about these people who needed to find forgiveness, needed to find their way back to Christ, needed to find their way to God, instead of being concerned about that, he was focusing on the success of the sinful. He was envious of these loud living sinners. And it was putting him in a bad place. It was putting him in a place where his feet were almost stumbling. His steps had nearly slipped. He felt like throwing in the towel. This is the way serving God works. I don't want to have anything to do with it because everybody out there seems to be doing so, 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 so much better. That's happening in our lives. How do we get off that slippery slope? How do we turn things around? Let me say before I dive into that, friends, questions and doubts are, are normal. And there are times as we look at people's personal experiences, uh, life just doesn't make sense, and it does make us wonder what is going on. Sometimes it seems like the Christians are the ones who are splattered with the whale innards. So what do you do? What do you do? What do you do when you've done the right thing and you're still getting slapped around? What do you, what do, you do when you've done the right thing and you feel betrayed, you're being gossiped about, 
You're taking terrible financial reverses. People are being unfair to you at work. What do you do when things are not going well at home? What do you do when that best friend you've been leaning on and thought you could count on through thick and thin all of a sudden disappears on you? What do you do? What do you do? What do you do when there's an explosion in your life? Well, I think there's two really clear lessons here in Psalm 73. And the first one is you get back to church. You get back to church. <laughs> I, uh, it, it, here, here, here's, here's how Asaph put it. He said, verse number 16, 17, when I thought about everything that was going on, it was just wearing me out. It was a wearisome, wearisome task. I just kept thinking about how all these wicked people were doing so good. And it was driving me crazy. Verse number 17, until I went into the sanctuary of God, and then I discerned their end. What do you do? You get back to church. Asaph makes an interesting comment about where he was at spiritually in verses 21 and 22. When my soul was embittered, when I was pricked in my heart, I was brutish and ignorant. I was like a beast towards you. My dad, bless his memory, referred to all animals that were in a house as beast. What's that beast doing in here? He was absolutely convinced that beasts belonged outside. I married a woman who thinks every house is incomplete if it doesn't have a beast. We've had three dogs at present. We don't have one. But I noticed something about all three of these beasts. And he had become like a beast. We never had a dog that was worried about whether the mortgage was going to be paid next month. Not one of them ever thought about that. Never had a dog who worried if the furnace was going to get fixed before bed time. a dog who really thought about anything except right now. Asaf says, I've got, i become brutish. I've become like a beast. I was just thinking about now, and I didn't like what I was seeing now. Everybody else seemed to be doing better than me. 
got into the house of God, when I got into the sanctuary, I began to see clearly again. Friends, when the people of God, the church of God, is doing what it should be doing in worship and the word, should be calling your eyes off of the temporary things. It should be calling your hearts away from the things that do not last. And bringing you to an eternal perspective that sees God in charge of everything. The things of this earth starts off at verse number one chapter 73 truly God is good to Israel and then he acknowledges in verse number 28 for me third line it is good to be near to God friends life doesn't always make sense this week where some people I care for deeply in this family have had explosions, explosions that hurt, hurt their heart, rip them apart. You never will, you never know when everything's going to change. to him. 